On today's episode of Rock Your Retirement, we interview Chris Cooper, who's a fiduciary. In my life, I see people all the time that could benefit from a fiduciary, so I do hope that you listen to today's episode. And, and we have a freebie for you called Three Reasons Why Your Parents Need a Fiduciary, and you can get it by going to rockyourretirement.com slash fiduciary. Now, if you're like me, that's pretty hard to spell. So I'm going to spell that out for you. F-I-D-U-C-I-A-R-Y. So once again, that's rockyourretirement.com slash fiduciary. Because everybody's unique. That's the thing. It's really hard in this work is there's no two situations alike. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Hi, this is Kathy, founder of Rock Your Retirement. I started this show because many baby boomers think that retirement is all about money, and it's not. Think about it. It can be very difficult to go from spending 2,000 or more hours a year doing something to zero. Oh yeah, for the first six months it's fun, but then you might hit a wall. Many divorces happen after retirement because the couple isn't used to spending so much time together. Depression can also set in. We want to help prevent that, and that's why I started this show. Our guest for today is Chris Cooper, and he is a passionate advocate for people trying to meet the often crushing costs of medical care. He found his passion early on while working in nursing homes and hospitals. After completing paramedic training and obtaining a nursing degree, he pursued his interest in how people could finance health care, primarily acute care. He realized that chronic long-term care leads to financial devastation for many people, especially retirees. But my Rocky Retirement listeners know that we don't talk about money on this show, so why is Chris here? Well, he is a professional fiduciary licensed with California and a national certified guardian with the Center for Guardianship Certification. As a professional fiduciary, he works with seniors, disabled individuals, and others who can't manage their affairs on their own. He assists them with everything from day-to-day financial issues to investment and estate management. Chris is a regular guest commentator for the ABC-operated WTVG-TV, Channel 13 in Toledo. He regularly appears on both local and national news shows and is quoted with newspapers and magazines nationwide. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. So I heard that you are having a book that is currently available called Elder Care Confidential. You want to tell us a little bit about that? It is available both electronically and in paper form. And in the major publishing houses of, you know, Barnes and Nobles and all the other kind of places like that. The book was was an idea of being able to pull together my life experiences, if you will, of working with and having to take care of disabled adults. And it was to acquaint the children of the 
elder person. Primarily, I work with the elderly. So I'm thinking mostly from the point of view of a daughter taking care of a parent. And it's usually the daughter that's usually the one that's in it got the burden of it. Uh, sons, it's like, yes, they do come step up to the plate. Uh, but but it seems like the daughter is usually the one that gets the burden most of the time. And if it's not the, the daughter, it's going to be the daughter-in-law. So I wanted to acquaint the, the caregiver, if you will, be it the daughter or daughter-in-law or any other family member of a disabled adult with the, the areas where you've got to watch out for and what you're looking for, but also to talk to them from the point of view that they are engaging in being a fiduciary. They're actually going to be legally responsible in many situations. They're going, especially if they're named as an agent under a power of attorney document, or if they're named as a successor trustee of a trust or, or executor under a will. You know, these are, these are just the same duties that I have as a professional, but as the laws in all the 50 states are, they were written primarily to be for family members to serve in these roles but oftentimes family members are ill-prepared to be in these roles because they've never done it before. So it was just sort of a get them an acquaintance across six areas, um, medical, psychological, social, environmental, legal, and financial. We call it the six-headed beast of elder care and where the traps and problems are within those different areas and then how you tie it all together and see it all comprehensively. Because the way our country is laid out, we have so many different specialists, but we don't have anyone that actually sees the big picture. That's where the difficulty in, in getting to the right professionals lies, is being seeing the right picture or seeing the big picture and not seeing it simply from one, per, one singular um, uh, discipline, um, but from multiple disciplines all together. But one person's got to be able to see them all. And that's generally got to be the client, the client in this case being the caregiver and their family member who is really the direct client, but it's very, very, very challenging. So, so it's, a, it's part of making retirement work for people because baby boomers, a lot of them were retiring to take care of their parents. That's a lot of what they're facing. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, this is all very complicated, and I am not able to write all this down quickly. So can you please repeat those multiple disciplines that you said earlier? I got multiple, psychological. What are the rest of them? Medical, psychological, social, environment or environmental, legal and financial. And you deal with all of those when you're working as a fiduciary for your clients? And so is any family member who is acting in the same capacity. Wow. I bet people don't realize that when they sign on for that, do they? That's right. So what happens is, is they generally go to the approach of, I need a better doctor or a better lawyer. Okay. All right. I, in other words, somebody has to have the cure for mom. There has to be a better pill. Somebody, you know, so they're just going multiple doctors and they're getting multiple prescriptions, which is a, a problem. Okay. And, or the, the legal point of view is, well, mom's going in a nursing home. Can't we hide the money so, so that we don't have to pay for it? <laughs> you, you see, so it, it becomes 
narrowly looked at. And a lot of the time, the problem's not so much in either of those areas. It's in the other four areas. It's like mom lives in a very bad neighborhood or the neighborhood has deteriorated or mom's house has stairs and mom's not able to navigate the stairs safely anymore. She's, she has mobility challenges right. or eyesight challenges, or especially people with Alzheimer's disease, they have depth perception problems. So they can't see very well. Right. You know, so, 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 you know, so these are things that we don't think about because we just do it normally. We just, we don't even think about it. Okay? Exactly. And uh, it's like a friend of mine was, uh, her father was having abdominal surgery, you know, for cancer surgery. And I said, well, you know, he, he's going to go home after, after the hospital. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, does he have stairs in his place? And it's like, no, fortunately he doesn't. And it's like, good, because if he had stairs, that would be horrible. He couldn't go home yet, you see, because he'd have to be strong enough to climb up and down the steps. And right. with abdominal surgery, that's not going to be real easy. So there's a lot of things that we just don't think about because we do it normally and naturally. And now we must do this for somebody else. Like the the role reversal idea, parent and child, we're actually not, we're two adults. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not a child. It's not mom, do what I tell you. You know, you know, it's not like that. Can't do it that way. Right. But I, I see so many problems come up when there is a parent and multiple children, uh, one of the children winds up in that role that you're talking about, and the other children don't agree with the decisions that they're making. Um, do you see that in, in your experience as well? Yes, and that's one of the reasons why people come to me, all right, is to be that outside third party the one that doesn't have an axe to grind, you know, the one that's not a home care agency, that's not the insurance agent, that's not the stockbroker, the banker. It's someone that sees it from outside of all those things and and says, wait a minute, you're getting ripped off by your broker. Hmm. Wait a minute, you're in your the daughter that's doing the caregiving is doing something wrong. She's trying to put mom in a, in a level of a facility that's not adequate for the care needs for her. Okay. Um, or, and we're speaking only of mom. This could be dad. This could be brother. Right. Of be, course. It could be spouse. This could be husband or wife. So, and, and, or lifetime partner and anyone you can, you care about. And, and when you step forward, it's like, you have the responsibility, you know, so, so it's like, I don't have any training in these areas. So if somebody appointed me to be their, you know, caregiver or quasi fiduciary, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do for sure. It's a baptism by fire. You know, it's like you, you get thrown in the pool and, and you have to see whether or not you can swim. That was why I, I thought this was a better idea. It was like, let's, let's put a book out there. Let's get the conversation going. I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years. It's like, let's put it in a way that says, let's tell these stories. Let's let the people see the parent as an adult. You know, let's let them understand their their family member and try to help let their lives live out in dignity and let you live out yours in peace as well. Because oftentimes it's like it becomes this sacrifice, like, the you know, the daughter or son just sacrifices themselves for the caregiving and that's not not right either you know there's you know you got to balance these two things out you know i was talking with a woman um last week actually 
And she works for an organization that actually does, you know, pre-death planning. And she was telling me her story at why she got into that. She was actually a an administrator for, I don't know, a manufacturing company or something like that. Her mom got sick and she wound up going into the ICU and the daughter, the, the woman I was talking with, said that she didn't want her mom to die alone. And so she took time off work and she didn't qualify for, I forget what it's called, but the law that we have that says you can take time off work when you have a loved one who needs your help. Oh, yeah. Family Medical Leave Act. Uh Yeah. Apparently Uh she didn't qualify for that because her mom was actually in the ICU and they Mm -hmm. said that she wasn't providing direct care, so she didn't qualify. So this woman told them that she didn't care. She was going to take time off and be with her mom anyway. And her mom died. And a week later, she was fired. So, you know, I don't know how people deal with all of these issues that you are able to deal with as a licensed fiduciary. I mean, obviously, you have training in order to do that, right? So what kind of training does a licensed fiduciary have? Well, um, they all come from different walks of life. It's it's an interesting profession in that my father was a dean of a seminary, so he taught people to become ministers, okay? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the people that were coming to graduate school to become ministers were generally in their 50s. They had already had two careers already, and they were now heading into a third. So he called it the third career. So the fiduciary, to me, seems like the third career. It's like the, there's a lot of people doing it that are in their late 50s and 60s. Actually, the uh, California Fiduciary Bureau told us our median age is like 58.6 years of age. And yet I know plenty of them that are active in Los Angeles and, and, and Orange County and San Diego County. They're in their 70s and working. The reason is, is because it, they can and they're active and it's a, it's a good career choice for them. And when they're ready not to do it, they just can stop. But their backgrounds are all different. Every one of them I've met, it's all been from anywhere from being a retail clothing salesman to owning businesses to being a paralegal to uh, – you know, being in the banking industry, one lady who sold reverse mortgages, and you know, it was it, so. So it was kind of an interesting happenstance. Nobody had any real specific background in it, and yet what happened is, is as they get into work, they they all kind of become more alike, especially those that take conservatorships or. In other states, they call it guardianship. When you're in under appointment as a guardian or a conservator of a person and their property, that that's a, where a, a probate court has now adjudicated that someone is not capable of taking care of themselves or they're a danger to themselves or others. And that's a very, 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 very serious thing. Wouldn't the family usually do that? Sometimes. And sometimes that's where the conflict is. Sometimes we've got an abuser in the family and, mm. the, and the parent has to be conserved. Or the, the abuser is a professional, such as a financial advisor. That's mm. uh, We're seeing that today in testimony on the TV all morning here. Uh, this uh, CEO, Wells Fargo, and, you know, kept getting grilled by a Senate uh, banking committee, which actually acted together for for once, if they could act, if Congress could just act that way all the time, 
to get something done and grilled this guy because they were opening accounts in people's names using their information for no reason other than to get their app count up, as we used to say in the insurance business, okay, just to get their number of sales up. And it's like, it's wrong. And of course, the problem is when you open accounts in people's names, it's like opening fraudulent accounts, you know, when somebody steals your identity, it's the same problem you got. Somebody used it and, you know, to gain your credit and, you know, other things. Maybe those bankers need a fiduciary looking out over them. <laughs> well, it's almost, it's to the point where when somebody gets an, an accident settlement, when somebody gets a, wins the lottery, when somebody's ready to retire, it's like the last place they need to be is at a financial institution of any sort, because it's just, that's like going into a car dealership, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're just vulnerable to buying anything that's in front of you. And unfortunately, that's happening. I'm not, I'm not saying that all the people working in those places are dishonest, they're not. The problem is that they're ignorant. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know sometimes that they're doing wrong, or that it's not necessarily the best thing or in the best interest of the client. And so that's one of the challenges. And, and it's, it's like I worked in that industry for 25 years. So I appreciate the pressures that were given and on the higher ups and all the other things that come from that. But also I'm, I'm saying it's like we're just now talking about this. It's been going on since when I started in 1982 in the industry. So um, it, it's like, and, but yet it shouldn't be something we need somebody like me to be doing. Okay. Because I have other things that the people need to be taken care of. For. Right. You don't just work yeah. with their finance. You work with those other five areas, right? Yeah, because you have to oversee, you know, for example, where is mom to live? Where is the where is the parent to live? Where are and you can't just uproot them real easily because it can harm them. How does the family get along with each other? Is 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 there a black sheep in the family? Somebody's taking money from mom. Is there a neighbor bringing donuts over to mom and mom's a diabetic? You know, things right. like this. You know, it's, it's, it's the things we don't think about, right? Because it's not the stuff we work with, okay? And so you kind of have to play. It's, it's more paraprofessional, all right? So it's like I, I don't know how to practice medicine. I don't try to. I just have to know, okay, what's the conditions we're trying to manage and then get it properly managed, get get the right doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants to work on that part. Same way with the legal areas, get the right lawyers to do the work that's needed to get the job done. And hopefully we do it before the need of going into conservatorship or guardianship. That way things are in order and things don't go awry and you, and you reduce expense as well as you keep your privacy, okay? Because going to court is public. Right. You know, I mean, being like Lindsay Lohan and all these people are conserved out here, you know, so we know how much your conservator is being paid every year, you know, because it's in the public record and we know what she's got. And this is, you know, this isn't a cool way to live. <laughs> Nobody right. wants to live in a fishbowl. Exactly. Right? So, right. So that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to pre preach a prevention, if you will, you know, but. The problem is, is because we've got a lot of the problem already, that's why, unfortunately, we have the court interventions. I'm saying that people can take the lessons from those of us that have done this work and actually do some real planning, you know, which 
not only involves their money or their investments or their risk management products or anything like that. It involves how do they want to live? Right. What's their retirement to be like? What do they want to be doing during it? You know, that um, makes total sense. That's how you rock your retirement. Absolutely. Yes. So let me ask you a question. You talked about conservatorship and guardianships. Yes. Does a fiduciary do those as well? Or is that done by yes. an attorney? Yes. Oh, okay. No, they, they're, they do them as they are the appointed person. They're the actual appointed guardian or the conservator. Attorneys do the, the, the essentially we call it the litigation because you go into a probate court and you file motions and which essentially is like a lawsuit, all right, to say uh, this person isn't taking care of themselves or can't take care of themselves or they're a danger to themselves or others. And then you have to put on evidence, you know, usually, you know, doctor statements, things like that. You don't have a jury. And or sometimes the person already knows that they're just not doing right. And they'll just say, uh, it's okay. I want to be conserved, you know. Okay. And that happens too. Um, they, they, in other words, they're not fighting it. They're, they're, their daughter might be trying to push it or their son. But it's like they're okay if they let a professional do it as opposed to their child for some, you know, or whatever reason. Way back when, when I was a full-time practicing financial advisor, um, mm-hmm. I had a client who couldn't invest and he had to start taking out his money because his wife had a gambling problem. And mm-hmm. so he took out all the money, paid off her debts, and then, of course, a year later, they were back in debt again. And I had talked to him and I told him, I said, look, she's got a problem. You're going to have to deal with this. Would that have been a time where he could have gone to court to ask for a conservatorship or is that just? No, that's exactly, that's exactly a time. Oh, okay. Because see the, obviously the, the person was doing things against their own interest. Okay. I mean, gambling in itself is not against your own interests. It's a, it's a, it's entertainment. Right. But when it becomes a sickness, then that's what's wrong. And it is a sickness. It is recognized as such. And the other thing, of course, would have been for the man to gone and gotten legal help. You know, and again, this is the, this is what's tough. People hate to go to lawyers because it costs money. In other words, they can go over to the banker and sit in the lobby and talk to the manager for free. You see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. Okay. But to go to a lawyer, it's like the meter runs, right? right. And so they're afraid to do that. But I'm saying, unfortunately, this is the doctor you need. In, other, in Latin American countries, we call them doctor and doctora. Doctor. Huh. <laughs> and only in this country don't we call them that. We call them counselor. Interesting, right? yeah. And so he would have had to do things such as, you know, petitioning assets and and filing, you know, things for for protections and even having to file personal bankruptcies and other things like that. And he, I mean, granted, he may, he may have done a lot better than he did, is what I'm saying. Right. Okay? Right. So the problem, of course, is there's all that guilt. Right. Right. That's the problem right? that most people have. They they don't right. want to take away somebody's freedom. Well, they're not actually in this case here. They wouldn't be taking away their freedoms. They would have been preserving some resources, 
so that they could have helped the person have their freedom if they could have helped them get help and got gotten better. It wound up bankrupting them, and then she passed away. So it was it was a pretty sad situation, but that sort of opens my eyes because I always thought of what you do would be correlated to somebody with Alzheimer's or something like that, but it sounds like there's a lot more uses for a fiduciary than just in those specific situations. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Some of the folks, for example, they're suffering from diseases, long-term chronic diseases that render them unable to take care of themselves. People who, from birth, didn't have a chance to because they were born with developmental disabilities. We call them the special needs children. And And then there's varying levels of that where now we're trying to give more of the higher able uh, disabled people more control over their own financial destiny as opposed to having someone else dealing it out for them. So there's a lot of different philosophies happening and laws that have been created to make some of that happen. So there's a lot of different areas. And I'm, I'm speaking about a broad amount of things that not all the ones I do in myself, okay? I mean, I work with special needs children. I work with people with Alzheimer's disease. It's like there's people that do bankruptcy estates. There's people who do the movie stars, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the athletes, the those sort of folks. Of course, the other requirements of when you work in court appointment is can you get bonded for these levels of handling these kind of massive amounts of resources, Okay. So I I tend to work with middle-class people, and middle-class people have the greatest risk of going broke in long-term care, and long-term care can occur from birth on. Absolutely. So I have another um, scenario for you. Are you you up Mm -hmm. for that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so let's say I'm taking care of my mom, and my sister doesn't like how I'm doing it. And we are under a lot of stress because she thinks I'm taking money from mom and putting it in my own account because mom's living with me. And I'm thinking that, gosh, I need this money to take care of mom. And she doesn't like the fact that mom um, doesn't want to undergo, I don't know, let's say chemotherapy because she's 90 years old. And so I'm letting mom just kind of live out her life. And there's a lot of stress going on in the relationship between my sister and myself. This is, this is made up, by the way. Would that be a good time to bring someone like you in? It would be a place to start. The bigger issue, let's say, between the two of you, the sisters, okay, uh-huh. is more the domain of what we call a, a family therapist, marriage and family therapist, or a social worker, people that do that. Okay. That specific specialty. But what where I come in and is generally I'm the person that's directing you to get that service. And oftentimes it can be paid for by Medicare. Okay. As well as or by your own private insurance. So it's not a question of financial. This is where, again, somebody else is paying for it. Use it. Right. This is the problem. People hate to go to lawyers because they're paying for it. That's see how the how the difficulty is, right? That's why they hate having to hire their own home care agency because they got to pay for it themselves. Right. Now they want somebody else to pay for it, right? Okay. So here, this situation here is it's like 
let's see if these these family members can resolve this between themselves. Okay. okay. One of the things that could be happening here in the scenario you're you're presenting, okay, which is very common, is sometimes children get this feeling like, well, we shouldn't take mo- money from mom and dad because they gave it to us so we could live, right? Right. They raised us. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we should take them in our home and sacrifice ourselves financially to take care of them. Okay, that might happen in some families. You got to do that. But if there's means there, if mom has the ability to, to help to cover these costs and things, then there's nothing wrong with that. That's what she has it for. Right, absolutely. That's okay. The rainy day fun. Right, right. Okay, so let's go with another scenario, Chris. So that scenario is more like a family counselor. So the other scenario would be mom's living with me. She's been living with me for five years. It's causing stress between my husband and myself. And my sister, who's been complaining about the way I'm treating mom, doesn't want to take mom in her house. Would that be a time to call you in? Yes, you would do that. Because here, what we've got to look at is, does mom have, what is the resources mom has available to her? Uh And if mom has no resources. Let's say mom was 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 poor, all right, very which is not uncommon with many, many, many elderly women whose husbands, you know, worked small factories and things like that, didn't have big pensions in those days, you know, didn't have the large disposable income. So they don't have the wealth building that other people have. Oftentimes we might see a parent like that, but so then we would say, well, what can we avail ourselves of the public sector? What's available to us under Medicaid or Medi-Cal, as we call it here in California? What's available to us from Section 8 and Housing Choice Voucher Program? What's available to us if there's veterans benefits available? With if there's, in other words, we start looking at all those financial resources that are basically available through social services. It's a hodgepodge of different services that have to be accessed. Okay. Sort of put a plan together. Now that's one scenario. Let's say no. Let's say mom has some modest means of her own. It's like, well, could mom actually afford to live in assisted living or a different place? Because her care may be becoming too difficult, maybe way too difficult to be doing in your own home. And it may be just totally unrealistic. She may need attending 24 hours a day. And that's what's causing the great amount of stress in your marriage because it's like having a baby that never is fed, right? Right, Whining absolutely. and crying when you bring them home. And it's not their fault. It's not mom's fault. This is the circumstance they've got. We hate the idea of putting them in a nursing home, okay? But sometimes getting care in the home could help. Or living in a different type of home where you have the mother-in-law suite kind of thing can help. But oftentimes when couples say they want to bring one of their mothers in to come live with them and all that, it's like that's the first question I'm going to ask them is, are you ready to sacrifice your marriage? Right, exactly. And I see that all the time. I see a lots of stress. It's a, it's a fixation. It's a, it's a you got to do it this way and no other way to do it, you know, kind of mentality. It's an inflexibility. Again, this is, this is where the community social worker, the hospital social worker, nursing home social worker gets involved. As in the first scenario, you know, the, the daughters had to work out their differences between them on some maybe perhaps philosophy and also by having an outsider like myself, it would be to show them the books and records and show them, no, everything's all right. It's in good order. And, you know, things like that. And if mom is, has capacity, 
mom can grant authority to say, okay, you can get a copy of a record. You can see what other daughter here is taking care of. You can make these things more available without having to create other problems. It's just difficult because a lot of times people don't want to reach out or involve a third party. They don't want, they want to keep everybody out. They're, they're trying to, you know, say this is a family matter. Right. And this is where it's really difficult until they get in real trouble. And then somebody actually has to push the door open, if you will, from a legal perspective, adult protective services, the police, the fire department, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And all of these things are things that your book talks about, correct? It talks about them in some generality, it gives you some awarenesses, but it's also what brings you to have discussion to talk about it. Okay. It gets you to start going and because it, it's not complete by itself. The book is only meant to, to give you awareness. It can't answer every question. It can't possibly give you every solution because everybody's unique. That's the thing. It's really hard in this work is there's no two situations alike. Children would like to have, you know, this perfect place we call Shady Acres where mm-hmm. mom could go to live, where they take care of everything and wait on a man and foot like a resort, like being on a cruise ship, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realize that, well, that's about $10,000 a month. Right. It is. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, we could do it on a cruise ship for, yeah, for a week. For yeah. My mom's. Thousand. My mom says that all the time. She says, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, when I need care, I'm just going to go on a cruise ship. And I, I've been on several cruises and I don't see any assisted living type activities going on on a cruise ship. <laughs> oh, no, no. The same way with airplanes. It's like I fly on airplanes and there's more senior citizens on airplanes now than ever. Uh-huh. More walkers and canes. And, and, and I'm glad that they all have the means that they go about like that. But it's pretty difficult to fly if an emergency occurs. Exactly. They're going to have much more challenges. Exactly. It's like I'd rather them travel and not travel. I'd rather them go ahead and live their lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's really hard. We want to keep people safe. And it's like, don't do that. We'll do it for you. And then just (laughs) virtually they can't do for themselves. This has been very eye-opening on what a fiduciary does and why you need one and when you need one. You've certainly cleared up some questions that I had. How can my listeners get in contact with you if they have additional questions? Go to my website at www.chriscooper.com. And my toll-free number is 800-352-7674. Can they buy your book on it? A link will be set up. The site's going to be shown for the book and everything here as it all rolls out. The hard part was because we're having an election year, mm-hmm. we got all the advertising all tied up with that, you know, <laughs> and so it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to roll the book out, you know, and it's like, yeah, we'll have the, the link for people to be able to get it from, you know, for Kindle or whatever uh, reader they use or to get it in paperback. And then also, like I say, it'll be in the stores. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. What you do is very much so needed. And to recap, Fiduciaries talk about six things, and that's medical, psychological, social, environmental, legal, and financial. And if you want more information, you can contact Chris on his website, and we will have that information in the show notes as well. So we hope to see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. 
Thanks for listening to The Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com And we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, 
or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.